Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon. Welcome to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. I'm here with you today taking your calls and texts live on the air. On the air. This is the show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible or anything going on in your life that you'd like advice about or biblical wisdom on. If you'd like to just be prayed for, we'd love to pray for you and we would love to talk with you and hopefully answer some of those questions for you. Give us a call. The number is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or text us at 720-336-0897. Again, that text line is 720-336-0897. We want to welcome those of you who are tuning in here in Colorado and Wyoming. You're hearing the program live here on Grace FM. So glad that you tuned in today and we'd love to connect with you and uh, hopefully hear from you. We also want to welcome those of you who are listening on the East Coast. We are syndicated on Hope FM in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Maryland. So uh, much encouraged, or I'm so encouraged when I hear uh, so many of our callers calling in from the East Coast, from Hope FM. So we'd love to hear from you today. Give us a call if you're listening on Hope FM in that area. And we are also syndicated on Truth FM in Tennessee and parts of North Carolina. And so welcome to the program. If that's where you're tuning in, we are so glad that you are with us. We also want to welcome those of you who are listening online on our app and on our website. So you can listen anytime in your browser. Just go to gracefm.com and you can click the listen live button. And you can listen whether you're at work or however, whatever you're doing sitting at your computer, but also on the go. You know, we have a great app for mobile devices, tablets. You can go to the app store for whatever device you have. Just type in gracefm in the search bar. It should come right up. You can just put it on your device and then you can listen live anywhere in the world to this program and to all the other great programs on Grace FM. So we encourage you to do that if you haven't done so. One reminder, we want to remind those of you on the East Coast and in the area around Tennessee that you are hearing this program on a one-week delay. So just keep that in mind, but absolutely we would love to hear from you and uh, we do want you to call in and connect with us. So just a reminder, and you guys have the opportunity the following week to go on and listen to yourself on the radio or tell your friends to tune in and listen to you on there. So however you've tuned in today, welcome to the program. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or text us at 720-336-0897. Again, this is the show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible or things going on in your life. If you have a prayer request, call us, text us. We'd love to hear from you. Let's go to our first caller, Ken in Aurora, Colorado. Hi, Ken. Welcome to the program. How you doing, Pastor? Doing uh, well. I was, I was calling to ask you about Psalms 139, verses 21 and 22. Okay. And um, it reads, Do I not hate those who hate you, Lord, and abhor those who are in rebellion against you? I have nothing but hatred for them. I count them uh, my enemies. 
Mm-hmm. Okay, so my question, Pastor, is um, if we're not to hate people, why is it saying in Psalms 139 that uh, that David is saying that he hates hates people? <laughs> right. No, that's a good question. Yeah, so let's remember one thing about the Psalms in particular, and that is that they, in a way, they are an expression of emotion. Now, those emotions aren't always uh, things that we should feel, right? There's somebody being completely honest about how he feels. And so, you know, we read lots of things in the Bible where we say, wow, uh, I'm not sure that that is a good thing, <laughs> like what that psalmist is saying. I'm not sure that I should e- even agree with that, right? So he talks about, uh, wanting to do violence against his enemies, for example, in some psalms. And the question is, um, should we want to do violence or should we do violence against our enemies? And I think that in those cases, the answer is no. Um, I'm just looking at, at um, something here that, that I'm looking for a little insight on. Yeah, you know, I mean, there is another sense in which the Bible does talk about God loving some people. And it talks about even hatred. And now that hatred, we have to take that with a kind of grain of salt and understand that that's, there's a bit of hyperbole going on there, right? And there's a sense in which God loves every person. God lovingly created every person. And yet there are some people who set themselves up at enmity with God. Now, I just taught this past weekend Ezekiel chapter 18. Uh, it's part of our series, which I'll talk about a little bit later on the show. But in Ezekiel 18, you know, God is talking to Israel and he's telling them, look, judgment is coming unless you repent. And God is saying, look, I'm going to do what is right. Um, and if you don't repent, then I will have no other choice but to bring judgment on you. And God is going to say, you know, it's not that when God brings judgment that he regrets bringing judgment. It's not that he feels bad about it. There's a sense in which it's the right thing to do. And if you've ever been in a tough situation where you had to do the right thing, there's a sense in which you you feel good that you did what was right. And yet you can do the right thing with a tear in your eye. And I think that that's what God is expressing here in Ezekiel chapter 18, that he does what is right. And he, you know, it's to his glory that he does even judgment. But he says this in verse 32. He says, look, I have no pleasure in the death of anyone, declares the Lord God. And he says, you know, turn and live. So he's saying, turn away from your sins and live. I think the key thing to understand here when it talks about, um, and it talks about um, what David's saying, do I not hate those who hate you? Do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with complete hatred and count them as my enemies. I think David is trying to express here the fact that he so loves God that he, um, that anybody who doesn't, he considers an enemy. I guess my point here is just to say that just because David felt this and he expressed it doesn't mean that it's necessarily something that we should feel or express. We need to take the whole counsel of Scripture. We need to remember the fact that God is the one who brings judgment. Our job, you know, is to pray for those who persecute us and bless our enemies and not curse. So I think we take the whole counsel of Scripture here into account, and, um, and I think that's what it leaves us with. Okay, that, that makes perfect sense. And once you started saying that, I was like, ah, uh, yeah, I should have, I should have thought of that. But um, no, it's a good for, question, though. Yeah, thanks for calling in. All right, God bless you. God bless you. All right, bye bye. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. I'm here with you today, taking your calls and texts 
on the air. Let's go to our next caller, Hank in Aurora, Colorado. Hi, Hank. Welcome to the program. Uh, yeah. How, how are you doing, uh, Pastor? Okay, my question is, um, it's John um, verse or chapter 20, verse 23, or vice versa, I'm not sure. Um, well, the gentleman I talked to before helped me out with a little bit. And it talks about um, what sins you forgive are forgiven. And what sins you retain are retained. Or I think in some uh, different translations it says, um, what sins you remit are remitted, and what sins you retain are retained. And uh, Jesus said that near the end. I think this was after his um, resurrection. Um, and I was just curious, what, does that, what, what is he talking about? Yeah, and so the issue here is this, that uh, this is sometimes referred to as the, you know, the keys to the kingdom. And um, okay. Jesus is talking to his disciples. This is near his death. And, um, you know, this has been used historically to talk about how the, essentially the, the church, and particularly the Roman Catholic Church has used this, to say that they have the power to um, withhold forgiveness and give forgiveness. Um really what we would take again this is like our previous caller and um previous caller in which if we take a verse in isolation then you know it can throw us way off and if we try to interpret that verse without taking it in light of all that scripture teaches on this topic we can get ourselves into trouble and and so i think that's really important to keep in mind here this is something that we refer to as canonical theology and what canonical theology means is that we have a canon of Scripture, which is 66 books, Genesis to Revelation. And it's really important that we understand one of the features of this is that they are one unified whole, one unified story that teaches the same things. In fact, that, you know, some people ask, how did we get our, the books of our Bible? And why do we not have other books, you know, that might have been written around that same time? Well, the, one of the answers to that is that um, one of the criteria for a book being recognized as part of the canon of Scripture, meaning inspired by God and, and for our teaching and edification, is that it had to be consistent with um, what all of the rest of the Bible taught. And so that's uh, what we call, and again, I'm, I might be getting too technical here, but that's what we call kind of a hermeneutical key, right? Is that we understand this is a baseline, that this is how we interpret the Scriptures. If there's a verse that doesn't make sense in isolation, we need to take it in, in try and understand it in light of what Scripture teaches as a whole on that subject. And so clearly, Jesus is talking to his um, disciples here, and he's talking about, um, you know, what he's entrusting them with. And I'm trying to find that verse again. I'm just uh, John twenty twenty three. Yeah, thanks. I, I've got it right here. So Jesus is appearing to his disciples. Let's remember this: that he this is after he has resurrected. He's appearing to his disciples. He shows them his hands and his sides, and that Jesus says to them, "Peace be with you." As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. So Jesus, this is in the context of Jesus giving them. His mission, verse 22, he says, he breathes on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit. And let, let's continue going a little bit with this. And then Jesus says, receive the Holy Spirit. And then he says, if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness, it is withheld. So let's just understand this is in the context of Jesus' mission in the world. Um, and him sending his disciples. This is the sense of the, the great commission that he's giving them. 
And here's how I understand this. Rather than, um, as the, rather than this being that the church um, forgives people's sins or the church withholds forgiveness, what this is saying is that the church has the authority to proclaim that the gospel message of forgiveness of sin and even the, the gospel message that if you have not trusted in Jesus, that your sins are not forgiven. In other words, this is in the context of proclamation. So the question here is this, um, who forgives sins? Jesus says that in another place in the Gospels, is it not only God who can forgive sins, right? So we have that as a baseline. And so what this is, is talking about the pronouncement. What this means is, let's talk about this practically. Let's say I go and I talk to you and you say, hey, you know, I'm really struggling with believing that my sins are really forgiven because I ask God to forgive me. I believe the gospel. I, I trust in Jesus. And yet I don't believe my sins are forgiven. I, I feel that I have the authority uh, as a person who has been, um, let's say, sent out by God in mission to say to you that no, uh, your sins are forgiven. I'm able to proclaim that over you um, with confidence. Now, did I just forgive your sins? No. Uh, Jesus has forgiven your sins, but I'm proclaiming that as part of the gospel. It's what it means to be sent as a messenger of the gospel. Now, on the same hand, I can go to somebody who is not, you know, trusting in Jesus, not following Jesus, not embracing the gospel, and I can say to them, friend, your your sins are not forgiven. You have not trusted in Jesus. So does that make sense? Uh, yeah, to a point, yeah, it's, Okay, yeah. Okay, so that's that's what he was talking about. That it's kind of uh, kind of with the pro, pro, uh, yeah pro, pronunciation or what you what you said. <clears throat> yeah. Right. So it's a matter of declaring what is and what declaring, is declaring. Yeah. yeah. And and having the authority to do that. Clearly, he is giving them authority. But again, it's in the context of his mission, which is to go into the world and preach the gospel. Okay, okay, so okay, so it's kind of like within that context, I guess. All right, right. I, okay, yeah. All right, um, all right. Thank you. That that was helpful. I hope so. Yeah. Thanks. God bless you. Thanks for calling. Okay. Me. Thank you. All right. Bye bye. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Katie from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts live on the air. The number to call is three zero three six nine zero three thousand. It's three zero three. Six nine zero three thousand, or you can text us at seven two zero three three six zero eight nine seven. Once again, the text line seven two zero three three six zero eight nine seven. We've got all open lines right now. It's a good time to call in, so do give us a call. Uh, in the meantime, I'll just say tell you a few things about myself. I uh, skipped that part today just because we had a few callers right there at the beginning. But uh, I'm the pastor of Whitefields Community Church, which is located in Longmont, Colorado. We meet in right in downtown Longmont. We're just one block west of Main Street on Longs Peak Avenue, right on the northwest corner of Longs Peak Avenue and Kaufman Street, right in downtown Longmont. And we are on the edge of Roosevelt Park, which is the city park here in Longmont. We meet in the St. Vrain Memorial Building at 700 Longs Peak Avenue. And St. Vrain Memorial Building, you know, it's a really central building here in downtown. Lots of parking. And uh, this is the place, the, the park or the grassy area right in front of our building is the place where all the all the parades and everything takes off from here in downtown Longmont. So uh, it's a great place to be. And we've been here for several years. I've been pastoring this church now for seven years. 
and really excited about what God's doing. I uh, feel like it's a new season, a time of growth, and we're really excited about it. And so we'd love to have you join us. If you are in Longmont or in the surrounding area, do come worship with us on Sunday morning. We meet at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings in, in the uh, St. Vrain Memorial Building there at 700 Longs Peak Avenue. And we have a great children's ministry, a great worship ministry, and God is doing good things, and we'd love for you to be a part of it. So check us out online. You can listen to some of our past messages, or you can get directions, find out more about who we are and what we're about at whitefieldschurch.com. So that's whitefieldschurch.com. And you can also hear me every weekday. So we've got our sermons from Sunday on the radio here uh, on Grace FM. You can hear me on every weekday at 2.30 p.m and Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. So that's every weekday at 2.30 p.m. and Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. Uh, this past Sunday, we did part two of a... Originally, this was supposed to be a seven-week series, but we're thinking about extending it for at least one more week. Uh, we're doing a great series right now called I Could Never Believe in a God Who. And so what we did is a few months ago, we put out a poll, both to our, our church, some of you here on Grace FM, you guys heard about it and you filled it out as well and shared it with friends. And what this poll asked is, how would you finish this this sentence? Or how would other people you know finish this sentence? And the, the sentence is, I could never believe in a God who. And so we're taking seven or eight weeks to just go through several different topics that people struggle with when it comes to the Christian faith. And Again, these are a lot of things that we deal with here on Grace FM as well. Uh, some of the things we'll be talking about, you know, I could never believe in a God who condoned genocide in the Old Testament. I could never believe in a God who gave us a faulty Bible that's not trustworthy. I could never believe in a God who encourages the suppression of women. Or I could never believe in a God who hasn't really proven his existence. That's another one we'll be looking at. Or I could never believe in a God who doesn't affirm some people's sexuality. So over the the next uh, several weeks, we're going to be continuing in and doing this series. So this past Sunday, we looked at the topic of genocide in the Old Testament. And I got to tell you, this was one that I was, I was a little bit uh, anxious about teaching when I got to when I saw it on the schedule. You know, I, I made the schedule for myself, but when it came time to uh, start preparing for that message, I was like, "Wow, I'm I'm uh, I'm struggling with this one myself." So we we talked about it this past Sunday. And kind of our anchor text was Ezekiel chapter 18, which is a really interesting text. And here's why. Because in Ezekiel 18, God lays down a few foundational things. One of the things he lays down is this idea. He says, all souls are mine. Uh, God has ownership rights over us. But then he says, the soul that sins will surely die. So this is, a, uh, expression, this is an expression of justice. Right? So God is a God of justice. And justice means getting what you deserve. And so if we have sinned against God, then we get what we deserve. That means death for us. And that means judgment both in temporal and in eternal manifestations, right? So an eternal manifestation means that there is a, a judgment which is to come at the end of all things when God will judge all people who have ever lived according to their deeds, except for those who are in Christ because Jesus already suffered the judgment for our sins if we are in him. Now, um, the other things, you know, uh, th there are also temporal forms of judgment. So we see that in the Bible. That, and what that means is that there are times in the Bible where God intervenes and brings about justice or judgment, not just in the age to come or at the you know, ultimate 
uh, judgment, but he brings them about here and now during a person's own lifetime. So we see that throughout the Bible. You know, we see, for example, God striking people dead or, or like for Moses, not being allowed to enter into the promised land. Or we see it in, in other ways. You know, we see it with the people of Israel that they experienced this kind of thing too, where other nations were sent to attack them. And, and you know, in those attacks, many people died. Other people were taken into captivity. And God says this is a form of judgment for your actions. That's what we call a temporal form of judgment. It happens in this life. And what's so interesting in this passage here in Ezekiel 18 is that in chapter uh, 18, verse 25, um, Ezekiel responds to the people because the people say to him, the way of the Lord is not fair. And I think that when we look at some of these things in the Old Testament or some of the things in the Bible, we kind of put ourselves in that position too of saying what God did or what God is doing maybe in my life right now is not fair and I don't like it. And and I love how Ezekiel responds to that, which I'll talk to you about more in just a second. But let's go to our next caller because she has a call. Uh, she has a question that's relevant to our topic as well about uh, genocide and, and babies and women dying and these kinds of things. So let's go to Desiree in Thornton, Colorado. Hi, Desiree. Welcome to the program. Um, hi, how's it going, Pastor Nick? Going great. What's up? That's great. Um, my my question my question was like, because I had um, a friend that lost a baby, and um, the only thing I could give her is comfort, is you know, telling her the baby, you know, like um, I always say this about um, King David. When he passed, when his baby passed away, and that he said that he his baby can't come to him, but he could go to his baby. And I always tell my friend that you know, but I don't know if the babies do they do they go to heaven? Yeah, that's a that's a big question, and you know, this is one of the ones that our church this week is dealing with in our community groups. And um, because we had this talk on genocide in the way that it might have sounded a bit rough, my segue there into your call. But the reason I wanted to get to it is because when we look at the Old Testament, there were there were some times, for example, like in First um, Samuel chapter 15, where God orders the destruction of this people group called the Amalekites. Now, there's a lot to this and a lot to why it happened. But they're part of the, one of God's orders to them. He tells them. He says, I want you to. Um, to wipe them out, all of their animals and even the women and children. He says, don't leave anyone alive. And so this is a really perplexing thing. Like, what? What? Do we, how do we deal with this? How do we make sense of why a loving God would order the death of children? And one of the answers to that is that there can be a sense in which every, I mean, there is a real sense in which everyone dies, but there's another sense in which death is sometimes merciful. And one of the ways in which death is merciful in the is in the case of of children dying and of course it's awful when children die children die i mean it's it's terrible no, no one wants it not to mention that we have a major issue right now with abortion right in our in our country yeah. and around the world where we have all of these babies dying in um in the womb pastor i i don't know maybe i'm wrong but the way i look at it once you conceive Baby, you have a that's a baby, that's a soul. It's a soul. Yes. So and and I do, I absolutely agree. You know, one of the things that I think we need to keep in mind is that all of these uh, you know fetuses, these children in the womb, they have 
uh, oftentimes a different blood type than their mother. I mean, that's just one of the many proofs that show us that this is a separate life. But here, here is, um, here's the thing that I want to tell you. You know, do uh, infants who die go to heaven? I think the answer is yes, and I'll, I'll tell you why. Uh, there are several reasons, and I'll give you one, a couple of them. One of them is the one that you mentioned, Second Samuel, where David's son dies in infancy, and up until the time when David's son dies, he's very upset. He's crying. He's uh, you know praying and fasting. And his servants see this and they're so worried to talk about it with him because they're afraid that he's going to go into even greater despair. And yet when the baby dies, David washes his face and he comes out and changes his clothes and he's uh, actually looking happier. And they're, they're like, well, why is that? Why, why does he seem actually more at peace now that the baby has passed away than when the baby was um, sick and dying. And David says, well, because I know that my child will not come back to me, but I will go to him. And we see the expectation that David knows that his child will go to, essentially, I guess you could put it in simple terms and say he'll go to heaven. I think to be more accurate, we'd say that he would go to Sheol and to um, what we would call Abraham's bosom, which is a place of comfort as they waited for the redemption that would come through the Messiah later on. But the point is that the child would be in a place of comfort and, uh, and that David would go to the child and they would be together for eternity uh, with God. And so that, that's a strong case right there. But there are a few other things I'd point out to you. Romans chapter 1 tells us that um, people are judged based on their knowledge of general revelation. And what that means is that even if somebody's never heard about Jesus or the Bible or the gospel, they still have enough information that they can deduce by looking at life and the world and nature. They can know that there's a God, a loving God, uh, who provides for them and cares for them, but also a God uh, of ethics and morality, and that we have often fallen short of his standards and that we need to give an answer to him because he will judge us. Yes. So there's um, Pastor, I know this don't have this, what I'm gonna say. This don't pertain to anything what we're talking about. But um, I have a husband. He's a non-believer, and um, it's like um, my home is ugly. It's an yeah. ugly home because um, he's very just so mean. Mm. He's so mean, and he's always just um, talking bad about God and Jesus. And it's hard. It's hard to be in this relationship, in this marriage. It's ugly. Okay. Well, let's pray for you. Um, let's do that. Heavenly Father, I pray for... My sister here, Lord, I ask that you would be with her. Give her strength in the home that she's in. Um, give her strength, Lord, to walk with you and follow you even when uh, she's not being supported in that, when she's facing opposition. Lord, would you give her strength uh, to to be a witness for you in the way that she responds? Lord, would she be strengthened by your spirit, we ask, to respond well and respond in love even when she is faced with um, with maybe harsh and mean words and words that don't build her up in her faith. Lord, we pray that you would, by your spirit, strengthen her and be with her in her home. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor. You, you have bet. a wonderful day. Awesome. God bless you. Okay. Right, you're you're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. I'm taking your calls and texts on the air today. We've got all open lines. Give us a call. 
The number is 303-690-3000, or you can text us at 720-336-0897. Again, the text line is 720-336-0897. We've come up on our mid-show break. It's going to begin here in just a few seconds. So during the break is a great time for you to call in and get on the air with your questions. Maybe you've got questions about the things we've been talking about, about, you know, do do infants go to heaven if they die in infancy? Uh, what, what about uh, these war things that we read in the Old Testament and genocide and all of that? How do we make sense of it? We'd love to talk with you about that or about anything else. Give us a call and we'll be right back after this break. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon and welcome back to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church taking your calls and texts live on the air today. This is the show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible or anything going on in your life that you'd like um, to ask a question about or receive prayer for. We'd love to hear from you and pray for you and hopefully answer some of those questions. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. Once again, the text line is 720-336-0897. Right before the break, I was uh, telling you about a sermon from uh, this past Sunday that we did at our church, a study and a whole series we're doing uh, called I Could Never Believe in a God Who. And we, we got into this topic of looking at genocide in the Old Testament. And uh, it's a huge topic. Of course, I talked about it yesterday and, and really just touched the tip of the iceberg. Um, but one of the things that I thought was interesting is just this idea that um, the people of Israel, for example, in Ezekiel, they accused God of not being fair and not doing what was right. And God goes on and says, no, I don't, I don't think that's right. I don't think you understand how justice works. I mean, there, is, there can be no mercy, there can be no grace unless there is a basis of justice. And so God goes on to explain how that works. I think the key to understanding um, the passages which are sometimes called genocide in the old testament is that they're not we're not exactly well, we're not at all talking about genocide in the way that we think about it today there's actually a really interesting hebrew word that's used for this where it says utterly destroy or completely destroy it's the word haram which means to dedicate or devote that's why some older translations will say to um, completely devote this city or this this group there's a few things to remember i think that the biggest thing to keep in mind when it comes to this is, is two things. One is that this was not an act of genocide or racially motivated when we see these events, but rather it was a form of judgment. And here's maybe the most important thing that always gets overlooked when people talk about these sections and why they're hard to understand is that these people did have opportunity to escape this judgment that was coming. And I think that's really where it comes full circle and it comes back to us to think about it for ourselves. 
is that these people had the opportunity to escape. You know, I mean, it was, these weren't sneak attacks. These were times when they were, these were military actions, and there were times when, um, you know, they would array in battle formations. So women, children, for example, anybody who didn't want to participate in this battle would have had plenty of opportunity to get away. Furthermore, though, God had sent these people messengers and warnings. And, and Deuteronomy 20, for example, says that whenever they were to um, engage a city in war, they were to offer that city terms of peace, which meant that these people could uh, turn and they could uh, repent, believe in the God of Israel, give up their identity and, and their practices. One of the things that's really important to remember, uh, for example, about these uh, Canaanite tribes, for example, is that they, they um, practice things like child sacrifice was a really big one. That's why it says in the Bible to the Israelites, do not sacrifice your children like the surrounding nations do. Another thing was that they, they practiced, um, the, the practice was, um, I guess you'd call it the abuse of male children by older men sexual abuse and there was a rape was a regular practice in these societies and so you know there can be a sense in which uh, one of the responses we got from our poll asking what are the big hurdles people have to believing in christianity and embracing the gospel one of them was people said i have a hard time believing in god who lets people get away with things in this life like why um you know why does god let good people die and bad people live and and like why would god let for example, a child be abused and the abuser get away with it with no earthly consequences. Well, that's exactly what we have here in those passages in the Old Testament. We have people who were being judged temporally in this life for, for really, really bad practices. And so uh, it is an example of God um, dealing with sin here in this life. It's interesting, but again, the, the key thing I think in this is that God offered these people a chance to receive mercy. And they did not take it. And that's what we see in Ezekiel 18. He's saying, Israel, I do not take delight in the death of anyone. So please turn and live. He's essentially begging them to repent, receive his mercy and receive grace. And I believe the same is true for us today, that there is a judgment, right? Those things are really a picture of what is to come for us, right? They're a picture and a foreshadowing of the ultimate judgment. That all of us, there is a judgment to come when a righteous God will judge the world. Um, but he's now extending an offer of mercy. And may we not be so foolish as to let that offer of mercy pass by without receiving it. And uh, so anyway, it was, a, it was an interesting and a good study. If you're interested in more on that, you can check out that study on our website, whitefieldschurch.com. It's the latest sermon. It should be really easy to find right on the front page of the website. And you can check it out. It's called, I Could Never Believe in a God Who Condoned Genocide in the Old Testament. Let's go to our next caller. We've got Clayton uh, in Colorado here. So hi, Clayton. Welcome to the program. Oh, thank you, Pastor. How are you today? Doing well. What's up? So uh, I'm going to start by saying one of the things that I struggle with that I ask for help with constantly is being judgmental of things that people say and people in general. I'm just hypercritical, and that's just one of the things that, uh, <laughs> one of the many things that I ask for help with. Um, so I want to know if the things that I'm going to ask you about, if I'm just being critical, overly critical, or if they're you know, things that that there's something wrong with. So I hear things in my circle of 
church people, I hear things like um, that when Jesus says repent in the Bible, specifically in the Gospels, when he tells people to repent, that what he's telling them is that they need to change the way they think about everything in their life. Mm -hmm. But I, I think, I don't know, I think repentance is a little more than that. Yeah, no, I mean, um, I, I don't, I would not say that repentance is just changing the way you think at all. I would say ch repentance is changing the way, it's changing your entire trajectory, your, the way that you think, the way that you act. It's a holistic thing. It's not just about how you think. True. All right, and another thing is, um, you know, I hear a lot about how that you have to have a relationship with Jesus, because actions don't get you to heaven, which I understand, and I, I believe the same way. You know, I believe that salvation is, uh, you know, something that you believe in your heart about what Jesus did, who He is, why He did it, what the, you know, what the purpose was, and what the purpose is personally for you. Okay. Um, but. Um, but I don't ever, I'd, I'd never ever hear anything about how you get that relationship. Mm -hmm. Do you get what I'm saying? You're saying, I you're asking it. how we get into that relationship. So people are saying yeah. you should have a relationship with God, but they're not telling you how to have a relationship with God. Right. Like they're just saying, hey, you know, if you have this relationship with Jesus and you, and you do this and then... You know, if you repent and you change the way you think about things, then that's your relationship with Jesus. And I just, I don't know, man. I don't know if I've... Well, okay. Well, let's answer that question. How do you, um, how do you get into a personal relationship? And, okay, so that's, that's made pretty clear in the Bible, the way you get into a relationship. And I'm going to tie this into another question that I've gotten recently that I think is another thing that's kind of along the lines of what you're saying. And, and if I could just summarize what you're saying and yeah. you tell me if I'm wrong, is that is this, that people, I guess, are assuming, you know, a lot of things. They're assuming that, you know, you just get into a relationship with God. Or let's say for this other question that I get, which I think is related, people say, hey, well, you should just love God. But they don't define what that is, right? And so I had someone ask me recently, okay, you know, I hear all this stuff. I should love God. I should love God. Loving God is really important. But what does it mean? Like, how do I do that? Is that just like a feeling you that I... You, but you can't love God unless you understand what he sacrificed for you in giving his son to die on the cross for your sins. Right. So to answer your question, how do we enter into relationship with Jesus? Well, clearly we do it by faith in what Jesus did for us. I, I, I've put it this way before. Um, instead of trusting in yourself, you trust in Jesus. In other words, some people right. say, uh, maybe another way to put it, instead of asking God to give you what you deserve, which would be a bad idea, right? Because as we were talking about earlier, we deserve judgment. Um, right. Rather than asking God to give me what I deserve, I ask God to give me what Jesus deserves and what Jesus earned on my behalf on the cross. And when, when I do that, and when I trust in the gospel, 
right? So to believe, that's what the Bible says, that by believing in him, you may have life. What does it mean to believe? Uh, does it just mean that you believe that he was a person who lived historically or that the things that in the Bible are really true? Well, yes, but it's actually an, a more active form of belief, which means this. It means to trust in, to cling to, to rely on, and to adhere to, right? So it's an active kind of uh, tr belief. It's more akin to trusting, clinging, all of these things. Again, so the point being this, when you stop trusting in yourself to save yourself and you start trusting in what Jesus did for you to save you, that's when you've embraced the gospel. And what the Bible says is that when that happens, the Holy Spirit comes into you. God puts his spirit inside of you. And that's the spirit of Christ, right? The Holy Spirit, the spirit of Christ comes in inside of you. And then you do have a dynamic relationship with God through the Holy Spirit. And we see lots of examples in the New Testament of what that looks like. We see the Holy Spirit leading. We see the Holy Spirit reminding. We see the Holy Spirit guiding and enabling. And it's a really, really um, wonderful thing that's enabled by the Spirit because of Jesus. And he's the one who enables us to have a relationship with God through Christ. And so uh, that's really good. As to the other question, how do we love God? I think this is something that's often overlooked. And uh, Jesus actually said it very clearly. He said, if you love me, then keep my commandments and keep my. And so how do we experience relationship with God? It's in a dynamic obedience to God. Now, let's remember by our obedience to God, we're not earning our way before God. Right. And so right. this isn't a legalistic thing. Rather, this is what relationship is. We are. He's God. We're following him. So when we actively follow him, when we obey the leading of the spirit, we obey his voice. We are living in relationship with him. And that's what it means. So, so, hey, thank you for your question. It, does, it, it sounds like I am being a little hypercritical because I think these people that I hear say these things, I mean, I think they might be coming from a good place, and that they, they may even be coming from a place that's true. It just so happens that I think they're leaving a step out. Could be. Yeah, could be. And you might just ask them, you know, to, to maybe define that or maybe bring it to attention, their attention. They might just be, see, I think one of the things that we do uh, oftentimes when we talk about uh, scripture or we talk about the Bible is that we assume that people understand all the things that we understand. And so we, we kind of, yeah, like you're saying, sometimes we can skip a step or we can forget to define things. I know that in my work as a pastor, that's something that I've uh, had to remind myself to do and uh, and why I do it is that I assume, look, I just spent, you know, what, 20 hours this week studying the Bible, preparing for my sermon. I got to remember that the people that I'm speaking to on Sunday morning, these are people who worked 50 hours this week. And uh, and as much as they want to, they just obviously haven't had the time to be in the scriptures as much as I have. And so it's really important for me to remind them of of some basics and not make any assumptions that they already know things, but to teach them things. What I've found is uh, people don't mind being reminded about uh, things. They would rather uh, that you do that rather than uh, kind of talk over their heads and assume they know things which they might not. So, sure. hey, thank you for your call. Uh, God bless okay. you. All right, take care. God bless you too, Pastor. Bye -bye. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. I'm here with you today taking your calls and texts live on the air. The number to call is 303 six nine zero three thousand that's three oh three six nine zero three thousand and our text line is seven two zero three three six 
0897. That's 720-336-0897. We did have one question in response to some of the stuff we were talking about earlier in regard to judgment, mercy, grace, etc. And the person was asking this question, um, how can God be just and merciful? Like, it isn't uh, when God shows mercy, isn't that compromising his justice? That's a fabulous question. It's a great question. It's one of my favorite things uh, that I feel brings out the glory of the gospel more than almost anything else. And that is this, that in the Old Testament, we kind of see these two facets of God. God says, on the one hand, I'm a God of justice. You know, if you want to be in a relationship with me, here are the conditions, right? So he has these covenants and the covenants have conditions. And so it's related to another question. Does God love us unconditionally? Or does a relationship with God have conditions? Because we see that there are covenants. The covenants have conditions. And yet, and, and God says, if you don't keep the conditions of this covenant, then our relationship is done, right? Our, our connection is over. And then God will come back in another section. He'll say, look, whatever you do, I will never leave you or forsake you. Even if you sin, I will always pursue you. And I am your God. I entered into a covenant and I won't break it. And so which is it? Is the covenant conditional or is it unconditional? On the other hand, is God a God of justice or is he a God of mercy? And, and of course, the Bible says both, but how can those both be true at the same time? Because justice is essentially the idea that uh, you get exactly what you deserve, whether, whether it's a reward or whether it's a punishment for doing something wrong. You get exactly what you earn or deserve. Mercy, on the other hand, is when you don't get the punishment that you deserve. So let's just say this, when God is being merciful, isn't he somehow compromising his justice? And the answer to this isn't actually found in the Old Testament. Did you know that? It's almost like the Old Testament's been described this way by a famous Old Testament scholar. He said that the whole of the Old Testament is this building tension in which we are wondering, who will God turn out to be in the end? Will he turn out to be a God of justice or a God of mercy? Because it seems that if God is merciful, then he's compromising his justice. And he says, that, this scholar, he says, and this question is not answered in the Old Testament. It's a cliffhanger. Like when you're watching, you know, a season of some show on TV and then all of a sudden there's, it just ends and there's this cliffhanger and you're left wondering what will happen. And what happens is that those two things the, those questions, is God a God of justice or a God of mercy? And how can those fit together? Or is God's a covenant relationship with God, is it conditional or unconditional? Those questions are left unanswered until we get to Jesus. And this is the glory of the gospel. It's how these things bring out the glory of who Jesus is. Because in Jesus, he took the, the judgment, the justice that we deserved upon himself. God poured out, God was completely just. Everything that we deserved was placed upon him. Judgment was satisfied fully so that God could show us mercy without compromising his justice even in the least. In the same way, is it conditional or unconditional? Jesus came and he met all of the conditions of the law, all the conditions of the covenant on our behalf so that God could love us unconditionally. It's so, so amazing how these things bring out the glory of who Jesus is. And you can see that Jesus is really the key to all of the scriptures and understanding who God is. So those are good things. Let's go back to our text line. We've got uh, one text that came in. It says this, in Matthew chapter 19, verse 26 through 24, uh, the young rich, the rich young ruler asked Jesus how he can have eternal life. Jesus tells him to follow all the commands. 
And then he says, sell all his riches. Why didn't Jesus mention being born again here? Yeah, that's something I've wondered about myself. Um, I think I have a pretty good handle on why. Uh, I think here's what's going on. Jesus is, uh, you know, Jesus is smart. And what he's doing is he knows this guy's heart. He can see what this guy's doing. Here's this rich young ruler. He has everything that this world can offer, right? He's got power. He's got money. Uh, he's got youth. And he comes and uh, he says, Jesus, now I want to follow you. And I think this is so interesting, right? Because if somebody were to come up to you and say, hey, I, I want to follow Jesus. Tell me what to do. We would be like tripping over ourselves, so excited that somebody wants to follow Jesus. And we'd be like, well, you yeah, know, just pray this prayer and come with me. And now you're a Christian. Let's get you baptized. We would be all excited. And what does Jesus do? He kind of does something surprising. He pushes back. He pushes back and he says, well, I don't know. He kind of pushes this guy's buttons because I think that what, what Jesus wants is he doesn't want this to be a flash in the pan. He wants this guy to really understand what he's getting into. He wants this. He wants true commitment from this person. And I think that's true of all of us. And so here's, here's what he says. Um, he says to the man, the guy says, teacher, what must I do to have eternal life? And Jesus says, well, first he, he pushes back. Why do you call me good? Only God is good. And he says, well, you already know what to do. Follow all the commandments. In other words, why does Jesus say that? Why? Because here's why. He's starting with what this guy already thinks. And so this is, um, you know, this is a form of, uh, there's actually a word for this. In, um, um, it's called presuppositional apologetics. It's, again, a little bit of a technical term. But what presuppositional apologetics is, is when you, you take what the person already thinks and shows the, show them how they have not lived up to their own beliefs. And so what this Jesus is doing, he's saying, well, look, here's what you already think. You think you just need to keep the commandments, right? And, Jesus, and the guy says, well, um, which ones? Jesus says, well, here's the commandments. And he lists a bunch of commandments. And the man says, I've done all these things. And Jesus is saying, oh, really? Have you? And, and let me tell you this. Why would Jesus say, have you really kept all the commandments? Because the greatest commandment is love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And as Martin Luther tells us in his you know, catechism, he tells us this, that that commandment sums up all the other commandments. And, and really, here's how it sums it up, is because anything else that you love, in this case, Jesus, is, Jesus sees this guy's heart. He knows that what this guy really loves is money. And so he, he's saying to this guy, you know, um, you're in love with these things. This is your real God. You cannot let these things go. If you really want to follow God and love God, you need to love him even more than you love your earthly possessions. And and by showing him this fact that he loves these other things more than God, he's showing them that he hasn't actually kept all the commandments. Which gets back to your question, why doesn't Jesus tell him to be born again? Because what Jesus wants him to see, first of all, is that he's a sinner who needs a savior. Right? That he's caught up in idolatry in his heart. And so, again, then Jesus goes on and the man goes away sorrowful. And Jesus says, you know, it is harder for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven than for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle. And his disciples are surprised to hear that because back then, much like today, people assumed that material blessing was a sign of divine approval. That God was cool with you and God was happy with you. And the proof of that was that you had money and things. You were successful financially. 
And Jesus is telling them, that's not necessarily the case. And the disciples, well, well, then how can anyone be saved? And Jesus says, what is impossible with man is possible with God. And again, here we get to the point of the gospel, right? That, that none of us can save ourselves. And what Jesus is showing this guy, no matter how much you think that you've kept the Ten Commandments, uh, none of us is able to keep them perfectly. And Jesus has revealed to this man that he's not able to keep them perfectly, that he needs a Savior, that he is a sinner. And the man, rather than repenting, goes away sorrowful. Rather than giving up his possessions, he goes away sorrowful. Again, it's almost like what we talked about earlier, that God's extending this mercy and people are not receiving it. And that's sad. And it's and may we not fall into that trap ourselves. So I hope that answers your question. I think Jesus was trying to do something more than just uh, tell the guy, well, here's what you really need to do. You know, uh, pray this prayer, uh, be born again, etc., and then you'll be cool. No, Jesus really wanted to get at the root of what was going on in this man's heart um, so that really he could do a good work. And I, and I do have trust. Personally, I, I think that this guy uh, eventually probably did come around. Uh, maybe not at this moment, but hopefully later on. At least maybe I'm just being optimistic, but that's my take on it. We've got a few minutes left in the show. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your um, texts and your calls live on the air. We've got time for about one more call. If anyone wants to call in before the end of the show, the number is 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. So this person writes in uh, in regard to something we were talking about earlier about genocide. This person says, uh, regarding genocide question, if we keep ourselves eternally minded, we should be reminded that those children who were under the age of accountability went to heaven where they otherwise would have gone to Hades. That's actually mercy, though it might not help some uh, people understand. Friend, I, I felt like when I was talking about that earlier, I wasn't uh, getting my thoughts out as clearly as I wanted to. But that is one of the points I was trying to make. Um, And that's why I brought in that question about the person who was asking about a child who dies in infancy. That in some ways it's God's mercy, right? That these children were in a culture where they would not have been uh, encouraged to trust in God. Even though I believe their culture did know about the God of Israel. They were neighbors. They they were uh, in contact with the people of Israel. The fact that um, it sounds hard to uh, wrap your mind around, but if there is such a thing as an age of accountability, which I, I as we talked to the caller earlier, I do believe there is. Even in our own laws, right? We treat an 8-year-old who commits a crime different than a 28-year-old who commits a crime. Um, it seems to me that there is enough proof in the scripture to show that um, eternal punishment is for those who have knowingly rejected God's mercy and go- and the gospel and knowingly sinned. And uh, like Deuteronomy chapter 1 talks about children not having understanding of good and evil. It talks about in Romans chapter 1, people uh, you know needing to reject the gospel, that those kind of things. So um, I think you're right. I think there is a degree of mercy in this, as, as hard as that is for some people to hear or um, walk there or wrap their mind around it. Let's go to John in Longmont, Colorado, who has a, a related uh, response. Hi, John. Welcome to the program. How you doing? Can you hear me? Yes. So in Hosea, it says, I require mercy, not sacrifice. Yeah. And then in uh, James, it also says, um, you know, mercy without judgment, mm-hmm. uh, or actually mercy triumphs over judgment. Correct. I, I, I believe that mercy is probably one of the most just things in all creation. Mm, interesting. 
So, Why do you think uh, that? Because he's merciful to us by not by letting us live after all the sin we've done against him. Okay, but let's just so, define some terms, right? So justice is getting what you deserve. Mercy is not getting what you deserve. So in other words, God has shown us mercy. Now, I, I would agree with you in the sense that it's, a, it's his prerogative to show us mercy if he wants to. Yeah. But um, I don't actually think that mercy is just. In fact, I think this is the glory of the gospel, that there must be a way in which God's justice and mercy can be combined uh, and the only way that can happen is in Jesus. Yeah, his death on the cross. I mean, yeah, I mean, he 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 killed it. You know, he killed his own son for us. That was very merciful, and Absolutely. I'm grateful. And I'm grateful for that. So I Amen. mean, and you know, as as far as a relationship goes, I might. You know, I, I've talked to him all day long. I might not be talking to him like I'm talking to you on the phone, but you know, um, that that's the relationship I have with him. You know, I know he's listening, and I, you know, and I know I didn't change my thoughts when I got saved. I, it was something that changed me from within that mm. I had no power over. Mm. Praise the Lord for that, John. God bless you. That is God's goodness, isn't it, that he intervenes in our lives. I think that's, you know, one of the things that I, I'm always amazed by, like in Romans, where it says that ultimately judgment is when God lets us have our own way. And uh, and that if we are given our own way, you know, it often leads to our destruction. And so it's God's mercy that, he's, um, that he intervenes in our lives. And so I'm so glad that he's intervened in your life. I'm so glad that I've gotten to experience that grace and mercy myself. Yeah. Well, you're awesome. Thank you for your time. Thank you, John. Good to hear from a fellow long monster. God bless you. You've been listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. Check us out online, whitefieldschurch.com. I will be with you again next week. Have a great evening and God bless you. been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's Word.